You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. What is our relation as Jesus followers today to the marginalized of our day? Uh, To what degree are we ourselves marginalized in our own lives? And, And are we standing in solidarity with others who are marginalized? Or are we participating in their continued marginalization. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. This is episode 304, and our title is Biblical Inclusion versus versus Biblical Exclusion. Now, before we jump into this week, I just want to remind you, we are now for the months of November and December. We are doing our shared table fundraiser for Renewed Heart Ministries. I want to encourage you to go over to our website, RenewedHeartMinistries.com, and click on the the link there or the image there, and uh, check out what this is all about. If you become one of our monthly, sustaining, reoccurring uh, donor supporters, uh, we're going to send you a a pottery bowl that Crystal and I have made as a thank you gift, and we explain the imagery there and what that means and and, and how it represents Jesus' shared table, how it can be a conversation piece for those... uh, you work with or how you can use them or or all kinds of different uh, uses you have for those uh, pottery bowls. But it's our thank you gift in the symbol of Jesus' shared table for being one of our monthly sustainers. We just could not continue to do the work we do uh, without you. And also remember that all donations, whether it be the reoccurring or just even a one-time donation to Renewed Heart Ministries this month for the months of November and December, uh, they're being matched. We We have a group of generous donors who have pledged to match all donations for these two months at the end of the year to help Renewed Heart Ministries uh, grow. This week, again, we're talking about exclusion versus uh, inclusion and how both are in our sacred text. Very early in Luke's gospel, we read in Luke 4, 16 through 19, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, of all the passages in the Hebrew Scriptures that the author of Luke could have chosen to summarize uh, his portrayal of Jesus, it's telling that this gospel points us to Isaiah 61. Luke, For Luke, Jesus proclaims good news. Uh, he proclaims the announcement of, of liberation. There's, there's reparations here. There's recovery here. He promotes a distributive, transformative, reparative justice, especially for the marginalized. And then notice how the story continues. This is Luke 4. 20 through 
30, the next 10 verses. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, prophets are not accepted in their hometowns. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. There was severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This story, it summarizes what Luke will be sharing throughout the entire gospel of Luke. Jesus' inclusion of those whom others exclude will ultimately lead to his rejection and an attempted execution. Uh, Luke will have Jesus overcome that opposition, not through escape like we have here in the in the beginning, but through the discovery of an in- empty tomb. So, so Luke's connection of, of Jesus to the Hebrew prophets here also, like, like Elijah and Elisha, this is also very telling. In each of the canonical gospels, Jesus is not part of the system in his society. Um, he's not part of the system that's perpetuating injustice against a vulnerable, pe- vulnerable people. And he, he, he doesn't emerge as, as one of the wealthy or the powerfully positioned elite. Uh, instead, he, 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 well, he doesn't even appear in, in his society as seeking to reform society from the inside. He's not like one of the elite trying to change things from within the system. Uh, and the opposite extreme, he, he's not fully abandoning his society either, like, like the Essenes did, or, or even John the Baptist who went out into the wilderness. Jesus stands in solidarity with those to whom harm is being done. He rolls up his sleeves and he gets involved. He engages his society. He doesn't come in the tradition of kings. He doesn't come in the tradition of the priests. In Luke, Jesus comes in the traditions of of the prophets of the poor. He's from the twice marginal region of Galilee. It was marginal in relation to Rome and it was marginal in relation to Jerusalem. And the fact that he appears in Galilee and Judea as a prophet of the poor and the marginalized instead of as a member of the the elite in his society, that speaks volumes uh, to us. And what is our relation as Jesus followers today to the marginalized of our day? Uh, to what degree are we ourselves marginalized in our own lives? And, and are we standing in solidarity with others who are marginalized? Or are we participating in their continued marginalization? The story that, that we began with in Luke, remember it, it, it mentions 
the widow of Zarephath, and Naaman the Syrian. And this is important because our sacred texts have two different categories of passages. And that's what I want to talk about this week. There are passages in the sacred text of exclusion, and there are passages of inclusion. I'll give examples of both. First, here's an example of an exclusionary passage. This is from Deuteronomy 23, 3 through 8. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation, for they did not come to meet you with bread or water on your way when you came out of Egypt, and they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Pethor, in Aram, and Nehirim to pronounce a curse on you. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. Do not despise an Edomite, for the Edomites are related to you, and do not despise an Egyptian because you resided as foreigners in their country. The third generation of children born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. Deuteronomy 23. 3 through 8. Now, in Isaiah, we actually find within the same sacred text the exact opposite. This is an example of an inclusive passage. In Isaiah 56, verse 7, we don't find that certain nations are excluded from the assembly. Uh, we find these words instead My house will be called a house of prayer. For all nations. Now, now consider the contrast between those two. And immediately after the Jewish people returned from exile, it's interesting that Nehemiah, who was much later than Isaiah, uh, he inspires a fascinating, uh, a contentious, and meticulous return to the earlier, more exclusionary practice of their faith. Uh, to give Nehemiah the benefit of a doubt, I see in him a sincere desire to preserve Jewish culture. They're just coming out of captivity to a Gentile empire. Yet his fidelity, it becomes kind of a zeal without knowledge. I see it as xenophobic or or at least ethnically nationalistic. And, and change is always scary. And Nehemiah was likely preoccupied with doing whatever it took to make sure events like the Babylonian captivity would never happen again. But fear, remember, when we're afraid, that fear often, it clouds clear judgment. De Nehemiah deliberately rejects the inclusion found in Isaiah, and he returns to the opposite trajectory of exclusion found earlier in the sacred text. And it's not by whim that Luke's Jesus begins by quoting Isaiah rather than Nehemiah. Jesus embraces Isaiah's inclusion. He mentions the widow in Zarephath and Naaman, who, who would previously have been excluded uh, uh, from receiving the prophet's favor in, in, in uh, Nehemiah's day, but, but who received the prophet's favor in the days of Elijah and Elisha. Jesus looked at people that were excluded by one set of passages in the sacred text as those that were marked 
marginalized and in need of distributive and inclusive justice. And we find this pattern over and over again in the Jesus story. In John 8, there's a woman caught in adultery. Uh, One set of texts demanded her execution, her exclusion at least. And yet another set spoke of God no longer requiring sacrifice and scapegoating, but requiring mercy and inclusion and justice. And you can find that in Hosea 6.6 and cross-reference that with, with Matthew 12.7. Jesus didn't follow the exclusionary passages in John 8's story. He chose instead a much more, inc- much more inclusive passages in his sacred text. And, and this pattern applies to the woman at the well in John 4, the woman with the issue of blood in Luke 8. In all of these stories, Jesus takes the same trajectory away from exclusion. Whatever the reasons that these exclusionary passages are present in our scriptures, Jesus perceived the more life-giving passages to be those of inclusion instead. And, and did this lead some to accuse Jesus as being a lawbreaker, as disregarding the law? Of course it did. But I, I believe he was prioritizing simply the inclusive sections of his sacred text over the exclusionary ones. And today, too, Christians have a choice. Certainly, you can find text to exclude whichever sector of society one is afraid of. The Bible has been used against women. The Bible has been used against black people. The Bible has been used against indigenous people. The Bible has been used against the LGBTQ community. And there's more. But as Jesus followers, we have to do more than ask whether our exclusion is biblical. We also have to ask whether we're practicing the same inclusion and affirmation that Jesus practiced. And this juxtaposition between these two types of passages within the same sacred text, that may be disconcerting, but I want to I clarify. Following Jesus, it doesn't mean disregarding or disrespecting the sacred text. It means prioritizing our sacred text in the same life-giving ways as Jesus did. And if you're wrestling to try with trying to get your head around this, I want to encourage you to read also the book of James. New followers of Jesus were being accused, just like Jesus, of doing away with the old interpretations of scriptures and living lawless lives. Yet James points out that though they were violating parts of their sacred text, they weren't lawless. They were simply prioritizing other values in those texts. James refers to Abraham's attempted murder and to Hagar's false testimony or lying because their actions, the actions that they they did, they were strictly condemned. You can find it in Exodus 20, verse 13 and verse 16, right in the Ten Commandments. Their actions were were were, were violations of the ten. Yet those these two were heroes because of those same actions, because they prioritized a different set of values, a different set of life-giving values found in the same sacred text. Uh, Will this approach bother those who interpret the scriptures in exclusive ways? Of course it will. When Jesus first introduced it in Luke's story, 
People wanted to throw him off a cliff too. But what does this all mean to us today? Are there people in your life whom compassion calls you to include and to affirm despite how you interpret other texts in your scriptures? What, you sh- what should you do in this situation? Choose compassion. Choose justice. You don't need permission to show compassion. The fruit of compassion is its own justification, as Luke 7.35 will state, wisdom is proved right by all her children. And who knows? One day you might find different ways to interpret those passages that today you think teach exclusion. But even if you don't, remember the words of both Jesus and the Hebrew prophet. This is first Hosea and then from the Gospels. Hosea 6, 6, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And then in Matthew 12, 7, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are, keep choosing love, choose compassion, take action, and choose reparative and distributive justice. Another world is possible if we choose it. And don't forget, we need your support here at Renewed Heart Ministries to continue making a difference. Go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com, click donate, sign up to be... either one of our, our, our monthly sustainers uh, with a reoccurring donation and receive one of those shared table uh, pottery bowls this month or next. And, and, and also everything you give in both November and December, these two months, you can make your support go twice as far because your donation is being matched dollar for dollar. I love each one of you dearly. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.